Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the Animals to the Max podcast. My name is Corbin Maxey. I am back. Oh my goodness. It feels so good to be back on the podcasting microphone. And I'll tell you what, we have a fantastic episode for you today. On the show, I have my friend Sam, who just got back from Antarctica. I don't know about you, but I have always wanted to go to Antarctica. It's been on the bucket list. Whenever I hear about people who go to Antarctica, I have so many questions. And my wife was scrolling through Facebook and she told us that her friend Sam had just gotten back from Antarctica. And I was like, oh my goodness, I need to get Sam on the podcast to talk about the experience. So late at night, I sent Sam a a little uh, DM on Facebook Messenger and I said, hey, will you please talk about your trip? And she was like, of course, no problem. So she's on the show today because I want to know the details. How was her experience going to Antarctica? Where do you fly into? How much does it cost? Did you get seasick? What type of animals did you see? What would be some advice you would give to someone who wants to go to Antarctica? She tells it all. So you're going to love this episode. Before we get into it, I just want to thank all of you who have rated and reviewed the Animals to the Max podcast. It does mean a lot. I also want to thank our Patreon members for being a continued Patreon of the Animals to the Max podcast. I know I haven't released a few episodes in a few months or so, and it's honestly been crazy busy just with filming YouTube and trying to juggle that and, you know, taking care of 30 plus exotic animal rescues. But I promise we have some awesome content coming for you, Patreons, including a brand new after show. During this after show, Sam actually talks about her work with a giant crocodile, which is so much fun. And we kind of talk about working with crocs and other fun stuff, even not working with with hippos as well. So it is a good after show listen. So if you are a Patreon member, you will have exclusive access to that. If you aren't a Patreon member, no worries. You can join us. All you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash the animals to the max. With that being said, let's just get to the show. Let's jump into the icy cold waters. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Okay, so the reason why we have you on, of course, is because you just got back from Antarctica and I cannot wait to ask you about every detail, but you and I have actually met in person. We met at a zoo in New Jersey. We did. Yeah, it was probably about five, six years ago now. It feels that, like a whole lifetime ago. That long? Oh my gosh. That was, yeah. And you and I bond over something because you also are a huge reptile fan. I am. I do love reptiles. Um, I did get my start working with a bunch of various different animals, but reptiles have, they've always had my heart and I'm glad that I work with them full time now. Yes, I'm so jealous. I actually, we love following your stuff on Facebook and you do all these awesome training techniques with like, with crocodiles. Oh my goodness. That's just, that's so awesome that that's like your day-to-day life. Yep. It's just my nine to five. It's just your nine to five. Well, you know, let's just like jump into it because I have just been so fascinated with going to Antarctica ever since I was a kid. I just, it, it's, it's been on my bucket list. And I know for you, you were planning on doing this trip for a long, long, long time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so me and my two friends originally planned this trip to have, we planned it in, um, October of 2019 and everyone knows that the world kind of shut down the following year. Um, originally the trip was planned for 2021 
which we were hopeful that, you know, everyone was optimistic that 2020 would just blow over and it did not. So it was canceled and rescheduled for January of 2022, since you can only visit Antarctica in their summer. So their season for visiting it is, I think it's like late October through March. Mm. Um, So each time it got canceled, it was a whole year that it had to get pushed back. Um, And then Omicron came around in 2022. So that was actually canceled the day before that we were supposed to get on the flight. (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) Which which was a lot. We had so many, because at that time it was still mid-COVID, so we had so many like lab tests and PCR tests scheduled and I was talking to labs in Argentina to schedule tests before we got on the ship and tests for getting back into the United States and they all had to be timed because it has to be 24 hours or 72 hours and I had all my time off of work I was all packed and I'm sitting at work on lunch and I'm like oh I just wanted to print out some last minute forms and stuff and I opened my mail on my lunch break and it just says Antarctica canceled at the top of my Gmail and I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) So I spiraled a little bit from that and then we had to rebook it again for um, February of this year and we finally went this year and the whole time I was like, Antarctica better be like, (laughs) this better be life changing because this is by far the hardest trip that I've ever had to book. and. That was my last continent. So it was like, I just, I wanted to get there. Initially, it was planned um, for me and my one other friend as our last continent, but I was planning on getting there before I turned 30. And I'm now 32. So oh. it's so cool to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, I'm happy I went there. It was a completely unreal experience. It still doesn't even feel like it actually happened. Um, yeah. And I looked. I look back at my pictures and I'm like, this isn't real. Like this is, this didn't actually happen. Your, your pictures are stunning. And just, I want to go back just a little bit. I remember every time your trip would get canceled, my wife would notify me and be like, honey, Sam's trip got canceled again. And she <laughs> oh, might, no. Sam was like, cause my wife's name is Sam too, which you've, you've met yeah. in person. But she was like, I feel so bad for her. All she's wanted to do <laughs> is go to Antarctica. And I'm just like, yep. Oh my God. So, when we finally started seeing photos on Facebook, we we're like, okay, thank goodness you finally yeah. made it to Antarctica. And how did yeah. you deal with it being canceled? I felt like I just would have, oh my goodness, that would have been so rough. Because it was, what, what, the third time it was canceled? Yeah, it was canceled twice. So the, this was the third time that it was scheduled. Oh, man. Um, and just the hardest part was honestly just the flights. Because... Me and my two friends, we're coming from three different states. So one friend's coming from California. Um, we all met in that, at that zoo in New Jersey at the same, as well. Mm-hmm. But one's coming from California. I'm coming from Ohio. And my other friend's coming from Georgia, which is like <laughs> spread across the country. Yeah. Um, so when I was planning the flights, I managed to find us um, a connection that we all got to Houston. Mm-hmm. So we all were able to meet up in Houston and then fly down to Argentina together mm-hmm. and rescheduling that <laughs> whole four flight length trip each time was just a complete nightmare. And I have the United like call 
hold music it just triggers me now because <laughs> I, I cannot listen to it anymore i spent hours and hours on the phone with united oh my gosh well you finally yeah. you finally made it there i hope you had travel ins- insurance i did yeah okay, good. it was required luckily <laughs> okay good and did you yeah. go through a travel agent it sounds like you just did this yourself Um, we booked it through a third party, which was weird because initially I thought that that company was the one that was running the cruise. Hmm. But as I talked to them more and after I got more involved with them, I realized that they are the third party and we could, I, if I was going to do it again, I would recommend just booking with the company itself. Um, same with like plane tickets. I prefer buying straight from the airline versus buying through like a third party, it's just, it just takes the middleman out of it. And it's just a lot easier to get communication. Um, especially with COVID and like all the regulations were changing constantly and all that. It was just hard to get what we needed and the requirements in a timely manner because there was always that middleman in the middle trying to relay all the information. Yeah. I I apologize if you're a travel agent, but I just, we don't do any of our travel through travel agents. I did all of South Africa by myself and it was, I mean, my wife was there, but it was so much easier because there were so many flights. I mean, some people though, if you have the money and you don't want to like worry about it, then by all means do it. But I, I liked having, you know, I liked skipping that middle person. Yeah. And I'm like, I call myself the travel agent of my friend group because I booked so many flights that I was the one that was in charge of Mm. booking all of our flights. Mm -hmm. So it was frustrating to have to deal with someone else planning it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm used to planning flights. So that's not something that I really, it's stressful, but I know how to find my way around it. Mm -hmm. Um, Even so, like when we did go this time, I actually ended up getting stuck along the way. Um, So in Houston, my flight was delayed and I didn't make the connecting flight to Buenos Aires, but my two friends did. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, of course, I'm the one that's been stressing over all these flights and I'm the one that's has spent hours on the phone with United and all that. And of course, I'm the one that gets stuck <laughs> in Houston. Oh. Um, and there's, fun fact, there's only one flight from Houston to Buenos Aires a day. So... Oh. I was stuck there until the next night, which also meant that I was missing my connection from Buenos Aires down to Ushuaia, which is where the ship leaves from. So once again, I was back on the phone with United trying to get all my connections and spent a whole day in the Houston airport, Mm. which is very expensive to do, to live in an airport for the day. Yes. Um, (laughs) Drinks are very expensive. Food's expensive. Um, luckily they did give me some food vouchers, but that only goes so far. But then when I got to Buenos Aires, I had a 20 hour layover. Um, luckily my mom had some friends there, so they, they swooped me up from the airport. But when I got there, I realized that my bag was still in Houston. Oh no. I was just like, of course it is. (laughs) So my bag... (laughs) And since there's only one flight from Houston to Buenos Aires, my bag would be a whole day behind me. <sighs> and normally I'm a very strict, like, carry-on only. I don't like checking bags for this exact reason. Yep. Um, yep. 
And I was like, of course, the one time I check a bag and they lose it or they didn't put it on my plate. Oh, so were you trying to be positive through this whole experience or were you like really mad? No, I was just accepting it. I was like, whatever, like this is this is my life now. Like I'm sitting in Buenos Aires. I don't have any clothes to change out of. I've been sitting in these clothes for two days now. Um, I was like, but it's a nice day in Buenos Aires. Am I stressed? Yeah, but there's not much else that I could do. I just have to trust that the airline people will hopefully get me my bag in time. <laughs> you know, I love that positive thinking and listeners that I think it's so important. Like, cause a lot of people don't like flying. Like it sucks. I get it. Like long flights, yeah. they suck. You get delayed. We were just on a Southwest flight to Phoenix and it got delayed five hours one way and it got delayed like I think four hours coming back. It was just this big mess, but it's like one of those things where I tell myself like, it's okay. Like, it is what it is. What are you going to do? Like, be yep. positive. This sucks. But hey, at least I get to like, because we have phones now, like there's so much stuff I can do on my phone. I can edit, respond right. to emails anyway. So I, I love that positive outlook for sure. I think it, I think it goes a long yeah. way because you could have been like, oh my, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> my friends were uh, were joking with me because we were still like, it, they, if they had Wi-Fi, we could still talk to each other. And they were like, we're sorry, we feel like we had to leave you behind. I'm like, it's fine. Like, I'll get there eventually. Um, but my other friend, it, this was his first international, like, trip. Yeah. This was his first time out of the United States. Oh. And... I was like, I honestly, out of all three of us, I'm glad that it was me that got stuck and had to deal with all of this. Like if it was him, he would have just crumbled. And he was like, I'd still be laying, I'd still be in, sitting in Houston. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I know that like, it, it was literally like every leg of my trip. It took me four days to get to Ushuaia. It was supposed to take me like a day and a half. Oh, now, were you nervous that the ship was going <clears> to <throat> leave without you? I was, I mean, I know if, if I wasn't there, they definitely would have left without me. I was more nervous about my bags not being there. Oh my <laughs> like God. What do you going, do? Like, going what? to Antarctica without any clothes. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you do? Like just go in and, you know, and be, be in this area, as you said, and just get clothes. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, that I, that's what you would have had to do. Yeah, I mean, in um, Ushuaia is like the, it's the most Southern city. So it's... Um, they kind of market themselves as Tierra del Fuego or Fin del Mundo, which is end of the world. Um, <laughs> it's like the southern tip of Argentina. Wow. And that's where most of the cruise ships leave from because it's the closest landmass to Antarctica. Um, but there's like, it's a cute little city. It's a, at the foothills of the mountains and everything. But there's a lot of um, like outdoorsy shops. So. If I needed to, I could get some highly overpriced clothes oh. from those shops, but I was really glad I didn't have to because my suitcase ended up showing up the afternoon before we were leaving. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Yeah. Well, it made it in time. And I'm happy that, so you gave yourself enough time in that town. What was that town's name again? Ushuaia. Ushuaia. Am I saying that right? Ushuaia. U S H U A I A. Ushuaia. A lot of vowels. Okay. Ushuaia. <laughs> so you gave yourself a few days though before the ship left, right? Because I mean, hypothetically, if you would have got there in time, you would have had what, like two or three days there before your cruise took off? Yeah, I 
I planned it initially for us to have two days there. Okay. Um, just to kind of explore and because oh. there's like hiking, there's a little national park and everything like that. Um, my friends got to go on some nice <laughs> glacial hikes and oh all that God. while they were there. I used my two days of um, like the leeway in airports oh. <laughs> and trying to get my bag there. Well, you know what? At least that's a good travel tip, though. If you are planning to go to Antarctica, give yourself a few days before your ship leaves because yeah. you would have been uh, like yeah. out of luck if you would have. A hundred percent. Like yeah, they would not have waited for one person. Oh, my gosh. Okay. And before we get any further, if someone's listening and they're wondering, like, how you did this, like, can I ask you how much the trip was and did you save up for it? Because, I mean, we should, I mean, I know it's a personal question, but I think everyone wants to know, like, how much is it? It wasn't cheap. Um, so it kind <laughs> of, <laughs> especially on a zookeeper's salary, it took us a couple of years of saving up. Uh, like I said, originally we talked about this in October 2019. Okay. And it's funny because we planned it on a napkin, like at a brewery. I still have the napkin that oh. we planned this entire trip out on. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. That's, that's kind of become our MO for, cause we've traveled together for a couple other trips and we'll write it all down on a napkin, at like a brewery or a restaurant. Um, but we were lucky. So COVID kind of made this a very like different kind of planning and pricing. Mm -hmm. So every time that it got rebooked, they essentially just put us onto an, an itinerary that fit closest to whatever we had originally planned, like because they have trips planned years out in advance. Mm -hmm. So the trip itself, I think cost us about like $8,000. Okay. But if we were to book the itinerary that we ended up going on, it would have been a lot more expensive. It would have been about $3,000 more. Okay. But because we were rebooked, we essentially ended up getting upgraded for certain things because oh. that was just the closest itinerary they had mm. at the time to rebook us on, if that makes sense. Yes. And how long, how long was the trip that you were planning for? Um, our trip was, I think it was 10 days. Oh, 10 days. So it's, or 11 days. Oh, so you don't have to go the whole month. Because I've been invited to Antarctica, but my friend's like, yeah, we're going to be down there for like the whole month of October. And I'm just like, man, that's like a really long, <laughs> like, no. that's a really long time to go away I from mean, my animals. With like the time off of work was close to like, it was like two and a half weeks just because of the time to get down there mm -hmm. and the trip itself and then traveling back. Um, yeah, I think I took about two and a half weeks off of work, which is like half of my vacation time that I used in February. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, the trip itself, it was two days to cross the Drake Passage, which is the span of ocean between um, Argentina and, and Antarctica. Okay. So it's two days both ways to get there and back. And then it was, I think we spent seven days just hopping around like the peninsula of Antarctica. So is this a nice cruise ship? <laughs> Is it, are you cold the whole time? Like, what is this cruise ship like? Is it like a carnival line? I'm trying to get a visual. There are, so there's a lot of different ways that you can go. Okay. Um, I prefer doing more small ships than like the big carnival cruises. There are the big cruises that go down there. Uh -huh. um, 
The cheapest option is to do the bigger cruises that don't do any landings. So essentially you just do like a drive-by. So you you sail past it, you see wait, things, but you don't actually get off. Wait, that's it? Wait, so you could, yeah. you could just pass by Antarctica? Yeah, like you can sail down there. They sail past things, but you don't actually get off the ship, and then you just go back. Oh. And I think those are like 3,000. Oh. But I, after, because the Drake Passage is supposed to be like the most treacherous span of ocean in the world. Oh, my God. Um, It's three, it's the Southern Ocean, the Atlantic, and the Pacific all kind of converge in this area. And since there's no landmass stopping that current it's just like huge waves super windy um it's it is pretty treacherous i mean this the coming back it was a lot more rough seas than going there okay but if i had to go through all of that for two days and then not get off the ship and to just do that two days going back i would be annoyed yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. How were you? I mean, because I'm like trying to convince uh, you know my wife to go to Antarctica, but she like her and I both get seasick. Did you get seasick during this time? Um, going there, I didn't. I did take Dramamine, mm. um, which helps. I think going back, I got seasick because I took the Dramamine too close together. <laughs> oh. So it just made me feel worse, but. They, there were people that used like the little patch. It's like a three-day patch that you put behind your ears. Mm. And people said that that worked a lot. Um, there are some weird side effects. My, friends, his, my friend is using the patch, and his pupils were just enormous the oh. entire trip. <laughs> we were like, you look bugged out. <laughs> He's like, I feel fine. I was like, you don't look fine. But as long as you feel fine. <laughs> And then once he took it off, like once we were there, because once you're there, the the seas are pretty calm. Oh. Um. Once he took it off, only one of his pupils were dilated, which was even weirder. Oh my gosh. Dilated. <laughs> uh, but I just, I mean, the Dramamine worked fine for me. As long for me, as long as I can see like a window and I can see like the horizon and outside, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to stabilize yourself. Um. But they're like our um, the staff on the ship was pretty understanding. Like they know people are going to get seasick, and if you can't make it to one of the briefings to learn about like the safety about kayaking before we go kayaking, they work with you. <laughs> yeah, are you able to go out like on on deck, or is it too cold and too windy? Are you just trapped in your little room? Or <laughs> no, no, be... they. I mean. The only times that they would close the outdoor decks is if the wind was way too high or if okay. it was storming out, which was not very often. Oh. Um, but it's it's Antarctic summer. So, I mean, you're from Idaho. Yeah. It's it's about our winter. Like, it was about 30, 35 degrees. Okay. So, it wasn't that cold. Rel- I mean, for someone in Florida, that may be freezing. But yeah. for us northerners, that's not too bad. <laughs> yeah. It's freezing. Wow! Wait, did you say that's how warm it was in Antarctica, or just or? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, their summers are about our like a mild winter day. What? Yeah. Okay, I'm it writing. Wasn't, it wasn't bad at all. I'm writing down notes to try to convince my wife to go. That yes. is interesting, mild. Okay, so let's let's hop back really quick. So you're 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 out on sea on the Drake Passage for two days. What mm-hmm. is your first glimpse of Antarctica? Do you remember it? 
I do. They told us um, after that second night, they said that if you want to wake up really early, because we're going to be, land is going to be seen like at sunrise, basically. Mm-hmm. And I am not a morning person. So as as excited as I was, they were like, you can wake up. I think it was like five o'clock, five thirty, some some ungodly hour to see <laughs> the sunrise over Antarctica. It's like I will try my darnest to wake myself up at five thirty, but I think I ended up getting out on deck closer to like six or six thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Which was still beautiful. I mean, we had a a porthole in our room, so I could just look out the window, and I was like, "Oh, I see land! Like that's that's Antarctica right there." But obviously, you get a much better view of it when you go up and out on deck. So I hauled my jacket on and I (laughs) went and dragged myself upstairs at this early morning hour, and I'm like, "Okay, this is okay. Like this is an acceptable reason to get up this early." But it was just unreal like it's not anything that i've ever seen before like it's just mountains that are just coming straight out out of the ocean and everything is like silent it's because it's such a remote place like you're used to hearing some sort of white noise or some sign of civilization usually when you arrive in like a new destination and you just go outside and all you hear is the water Wow. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Do, do you see penguins immediately? Or is that just like, <laughs> is that <laughs> there stereotypical? Were, there were penguins everywhere. Really? We were seeing we were seeing penguins before we even got to Antarctica. Like they were out in the Drake Passage, like hunting in the ocean, were, out in the open ocean. Were they we Gen saw, 2 or Gen 2 uh, or King? Most or likely Gen 2. Okay. Um, most of the ones that we saw were Gen 2. I think... Mm. I think I was looking back at one of my pictures and one of the um, swimming penguins that I saw out in the ocean just happened to be a chin strap penguin. Oh, but yeah. Wow. But I really, I'm not really a penguin person, but I did (laughs) as, as zookeepers for all three of us, the penguins were like bottom of the barrel because we've all worked with them and they're not the nicest animals to work with. Sam, you have to take that back. You know what? They're okay. You know what? Going back that zoo you worked with had one of the night. Well, actually, you know, I think she bit me. Did she bite me? I'm going back, but, but okay. I was going to say penguins are like, when I go on national TV, like the today show, a penguin is my go-to animal because usually if they're nice, they're easy. And people are just Mm -hmm. like, Oh my God, that's a penguin. But in reality, it's like having a chicken almost honestly. (laughs) Um, I've met two nice penguins in my career. Was it one that, is it one that I know? Yeah. Okay, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but I also have a scar on my face from one that has bit me in the face. So, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah, they're not the nicest. And they smell horribly. Like, that's a smell that I smelled them before I saw them in it, Antarctica. <laughs> really? They... And I was like, oh, I know that smell. We're getting close to a penguin colony. I've heard that it's almost unbearable from people who have gone to Antarctica that you don't, cause you know, when you watch national geographic and or yeah. you see March of the penguins, it's like beautiful <laughs> and there's music and you can't smell it. But I've heard the smell is God awful. Yeah. I mean, if I was, if I wasn't a zookeeper, it would probably be a lot worse, 
But because I know what it is, I can just kind of like go nose blind to it. I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. It's just another smell. <laughs> I love the smell of penguin fish, of smelt and capelin, because it takes oh, me no. back. You don't? Because <laughs> no. when I was a young, a zoo teen volunteer or semi-volunteer, I would go and feed the mangelinic penguins and mm -hmm. it brings back like really happy memories. So for me, I'm like, oh, it smells like home. <laughs> and that probably no, grossed a lot of people the out. Smell of, the smell of penguin fish is up there with the United Hold music now. It's just, <laughs> it's just triggering. <laughs> Did it smell like a penguin house at a zoo or was it yeah. worse? Or was no, it worse? It's worse because there's like hundreds of thousands of them. Okay. So, yeah. so seeing I mean, it's outdoors though, so it, it mingles with like normal outdoor smells and like you at least have fresh air. You're not in as much of an enclosed area, but yeah, it's, it's the same smell, just concentrated. <laughs> have you been to New York city? Mm -hmm. So is it like seeing a pigeon in New York city when you see penguins everywhere in Antarctica? It's like, Oh, it's another penguin. It, it, I mean, I've, been getting more into like wildlife photography and they okay. are very photogenic yep yep so my interest in penguins had like a small blip of like oh these are interesting and then i took some nice pictures and was like okay unless now i have like 150 pictures of just penguins so unless this penguin is doing something different or if it's getting eaten by a leopard seal then <laughs> i don't really <laughs> you're so funny i'm like trying to convince my wife to go to antarctica and i was like honey we can see penguins she's like honey i can see penguins at the zoo i just yeah. held one at the wildlife world yep. zoo in phoenix i just cuddled a chick i don't need to go to antarctica to see that yeah. that's crazy okay it's funny because when we were booking it that uh third party company when she was trying to like get me excited about it she was like you get to see all these penguins i'm like listen that's not the way to get me excited about this trip. <laughs> that might work for the the general public but for me that's like i know i'm gonna see penguins i've seen penguins before yeah um i really wanted to see like king penguins if anything yeah but did, did you see them i did not i was really disappointed what about emperor penguins i think emperors are more in like in the continent they're more they're not as um peninsular I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> well, no worries. Really? So so you saw Gen 2 and Chinstrap? Mm-hmm. Okay. There were um, Adelis down there, too. Oh, cool. But the, the day that the rest of the ship visited the Adelie colony is the day that I was kayaking with some other group. Oh, okay. But, okay. So I missed out on the Adelis, which I was kind of upset about. Oh, but, okay. Well, okay. So your first animals are penguins before you even see Antarctica. What else do you see? Um, when you're going across the Drake Passage, most of it is birds like um, albatrosses. Mm. There's a lot of petrels, just like the big soaring birds. Mm -hmm. um, we also, I think we saw some fur seals when we were out there as well, like mm. South American Very fur nice. seals, mm. sea lions, fur seals. <laughs> All my marine mammal friends are going to be upset that I didn't know that right off the bat. Fur seal sounds great. <laughs> yeah, they were definitely fur seals. Um, but then once you start getting, once you cross over, there's um, the Antarctic Convergence Zone. So that's mm -hmm. kind of just like a, um, a barrier in the ocean. It's kind of where the Southern Ocean meets the 
Atlantic and the Pacific. So there's a lot of like upwelling from the ocean. It's a lot more nutrient rich, nutrient rich waters. Uh-huh. So there's a lot more like krill. And once you cross into that, that's like the actual Antarctic habitat, I guess you could say, okay. is when you start getting more of the like big wildlife, like a lot more whales start popping up. And that's when you start seeing penguins and more fur seals. Wow. That's, uh, you know, to be honest, the one animal I think I would want to see in Antarctica would be a leopard seal. That was, leopard seals was high up on my list and we got to see them pretty up close. Really? Which I was, I was surprised with how close like you can get to them. Really? Okay. So what do you, okay. So, so really quick. So just, so you're sorry, I'm asking all these questions. I'm jumping around, but so you (laughs) see, you see Antarctica, it's beautiful mountains just jutting out of the ocean. Do you like, do you get off immediately or like, what is the process? Do you stay at a hotel or you stay on the ship? (laughs) The ship is the hotel. The ship is the Uh, hotel. Oh, okay. So the way that the, um, expedition is organized is once you're there most of the landings are on like the islands that are along the peninsula okay um and every day they aim to have two landings like two landing sites so in the morning because this this trip allowed us to also sign up for um kayaking and mountaineering Mm. um so if it was a day that you signed up for one of those activities, you could either sign up for a morning or an afternoon slot. So that would take up your morning or your afternoon. If you didn't sign up for one of those, then you would either be doing, your morning would be split into a landing or a Zodiac cruise. So the Zodiacs are like their little, um, like the motorized rafts that you can drive oh. around on. So you would either do a landing first or a cruise first. So if you were landing first, they'd take you on a Zodiac, you go out to land, Mm. you can walk around that site. It was either like a base or like a penguin colony and you can walk around and hike around and see all the views and whatever wildlife is around there. Um, And then after about two hours, you would get back onto a Zodiac and they would take you cruising. So just cruising around the water, looking at the cool icebergs, seeing what seals you could find out on ice floats or whales that were just hanging around. Um, Because at that time of year, they were saying that the whales, they've already fed for most of the season. Okay. So they're not super focused on feeding all of the time. So they just kind of will hang out at the surface and just like bob around there for a Mm -hmm. little bit, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which was really cool because they, they, since they weren't, as focused on like eating as, as they are in the beginning of the season, they were more curious. So they come pretty close to you. Like, and the, they were, I have a, in the Zodiacs. Really? So not in the big cruise ship, but in, in the mm-hmm. Zodiacs. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So I have a picture. I'm so jealous of these people there. It's a picture of a whale that just kind of like cruises right by the Zodiac. Uh-huh. And this whale is within I don't know, 10 feet, five feet wow. of the Zodiac. And it just cruises right by like it's not even there. Oh, and were these, <laughs> were these humpback whales? Most of them were humpbacks. Um, we did also see minke whales. Oh, okay. And at some point towards the end, we did spot um, a southern bottlenose whale, which is a beaked whale. Oh. And they're, 
their sightings are super rare. Um, beaked whales, I guess, don't stay at the surface very long. They're super deep diving. Okay. So they'll come up for a couple breaths of air and they'll go straight back down and you won't see them again. Um, so we were pretty excited to see those. We saw dolphins as well, um, hourglass dolphins, which is pretty cool. Wow. Did you yeah. see did you see killer whales? <clears throat> we did. That day, um, I think it was one of the days so the only way that the only thing that would stop us from getting off on a landing, it wasn't if it was snowing or whatever. Um, it was the wind speed because Antarctica is super windy. Okay. Um, so I think the winds that morning were too high for us to get off. So they were like, all right, we can't get off here. It's too windy. We're going to cruise to another location that's mm-hmm. a little more sheltered and hope that like the wind there is a little more reasonable. In that transient time, um, me and my one friend were just down in our room, like going through pictures, deleting bad pictures and stuff like that. And they came over the intercom system and they're like, Hey, just so everyone knows there's orcas right outside. And we levitated out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) I have never moved so fast in my life because that was again, like with leopard seals, that was one of the animals that I was like, this would be really cool to see like out in the wild. And in my head, I, I expected them to be like, a dorsal fin way off in the distance. Like maybe you'll see it with your binoculars. They were right next to the ship. Like I could have taken, if it wasn't so windy and I wasn't afraid of like losing my phone, (laughs) I would have taken my phone out to take a video because that's how close it would have been. Like I could have just taken a regular cell phone video and it would have been completely acceptable. (laughs) See, that was my problem. I saw wild killer whales for my first time up near Vancouver Island. And, Mm -hmm. and I remember I was just too focused with my phone and my vlog camera trying to get that footage. And it was like, next time I do it again, I'm just going to enjoy the moment. If I get a clip, great. But I mean, I'm not going to watch a 10 minute video of like one dorsal fin in the disc. Like it (laughs) doesn't make sense. And then my wife ended up getting better footage anyway. So I just, I think next time I'll enjoy it. So you didn't have any like incline to like take any photos at all. I had my nice camera out. Oh, oh, you did. At least was like was like wrapped around my neck, and sure. I didn't feel like the wind was going to take that as easily as my phone. Sure. Because I think that day it was like forty or fifty mile an hour wind. Oh my gosh! Like, that, oh, that it would was suck if your phone blew into the, the standing, ocean. Yeah, standing out on deck when it's that windy, I was like, we are all insane. But at least we're getting some really cool pictures of these killer whales that are right alongside our ship like this is 100 percent worth it wow were those the killer whales that specialize in eating penguins um i think or seals there's so there's like there's two there's i there's so there's many... like four different um i think there's four different I forget what they're called. They're not different I know. species. I, I know the orchid people are going to go crazy because they're not <laughs> considered different species. And then I think some people argue they're not subspecies, but some scientists think they should all be different species because they're specialized in eating different prey yeah. animals. But you have some. I think that's... it was the type A, whatever the type A well, one. What is, is that? Is it like penguins, <laughs> fish, seals, and whales? And, and whales it, that they eat. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember what type A was? I don't remember, which is, it's probably something I should have written down on these notes that I took. No worries. <laughs> but... No, don't even, no, don't even, I'm, I'm sure I'll hear about it, but no, it's, 
so fascinating and so awesome that you got to you got yeah. to see orcas. And the, the captain was nice enough to like follow them more or less like he mm-hmm. kind of went where they were going uh-huh. and there was a, a tv screen on the ship where you can kind of watch like where the ship was in real time okay and if you were watching that the ship is going in like these weird zigzags for like 30 minutes as it's following these orcas around oh. and then eventually after like 30 45 minutes uh because they just stayed with us like they didn't go away they just kind of hung with the ship wow and eventually the captain was like all right like we need to get back on course because we've just been like <laughs> zigzagging and spiraling around erratically in this little strait oh. um yeah that was a really cool sighting that's amazing so tell me about your first leopard seal encounter the first one i think the first one was oddly enough the one that we saw at dinner okay <laughs> at dinner uh, uh, most people like to sit by the window because you can still like wildlife spot as the ship is moving and you're just sitting eating dinner and I was sitting and all of a sudden on this little ice float right next to the ship I just happened to look down and there's a leopard seal just sitting on the ice float and I just scream I'm like leopard seal leopard seal and my friend's like what are you talking about I'm like there's a leopard seal outside the window just sitting on an ice float mm-hmm. um but the one that we got the closest to, it was on during a Zodiac cruise and it was sleeping on an ice float as like, that's the easiest way to find them. Yeah. And we were able to basically have our Zodiac touching the ice that it was resting on. And we're just, it was a little bit higher than the Zodiac was. So we were able to stand up and just kind of take pictures over this little ice ledge. And it mm. was just sitting on the other side and The keeper in us is like, we are really close to this wild, (laughs) (laughs) this wild predator. Yeah. But the general normal person in me is like, this is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So you, so how, how close were you? Like, I mean, like a few feet or what, like how, how close? I would say we were within like 10, 15 feet of it. Oh, that's amazing. And was it big? Yeah. Was it pretty big? It was pretty big. Yeah. I mean, I'm awful at like measuring like estimations. Sure. Um, but I would say it was probably at least ten feet long. That's pretty big. That's about the size of Sonny. maybe. Yeah, maybe ten. At least two of me. I'm five feet. I would say it was at least two of me. Wow. <laughs> and were you able to look at the jaws like in that typical? You know what I mean? That predatory snout, or just that defines it's a leopard funny seal. Funny because. He was mostly dry, and when, like, seals or sea lions are dry, they're super fuzzy and fluffy looking. Uh-huh. <laughs> so taking up-close pictures of his face, he looks fuzzy. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, all of us are waiting for him to, like, yawn or open his mouth yep. or something because I wanted a picture of their teeth because their yeah. teeth are just such crazy-looking teeth, but he just kind of slept there. He was more or less unbothered by us being there. Wow. That definitely on my bucket list to see a leopard seal would you have been crushed if it hunted a penguin i think you mentioned earlier you were hoping that would happen <laughs> you would i was hoping for i was like i just need to see what eating a penguin oh my god um, we, the, i think it was our last day i was on another zodiac cruise in a different location and they all of the um excursion leaders because there were there would be multiple zodiacs cruising around like a big area and if they saw a whale or something that 
they think everyone would want to see. They would kind of radio for other mm-hmm. people to come over. Um, I think they had like a three Zodiac rule just so that it's yep. not like 10, 10 boats around it, crowding it. Um, and we kept hearing over the radio that there were people seeing leopard seals. And so multiple people are coming to the same area and it ended up being like five or six of these leopard seals. It was like a leopard seal party, as we called it. Like they just all happened to be hanging around this one area and they're super curious and they were coming almost, they were swimming under our boat and coming up to us and watching us from the ice floats. And we were just kind of hanging out with them for a little bit. Um, And then it started to get, it started to get a little too crowded. So our guide was like, all right, like we'll go off and, go back and look at this penguin colony and there was another leopard seal over there that's kind of like swimming around our boat and checking us out and i was hoping because some of the penguins were looking like they were going gonna go in the water yeah i was like do it i just want to see this happen oh my gosh the penguins apparently are smarter than that and they decided not to go in the water yeah but someone there was someone else. I saw a video. Someone did get a video of a leopard seal eating a fish. Okay. And it's it's just like throwing this fish around in the air and like thrashing it around. Like, oh. That would have been really cool to see firsthand. But I mean, with all the stuff that we did see, I feel horrible being like, well, I didn't get to see that. <laughs> so what was your top wildlife sighting then if you had to pick one would it be the leopard seals like the five of them just all around with the leopard seal party uh, would it be a penguin it's definitely not a penguin good, good to, oh killer whales <laughs> um, yeah it's probably a toss-up between like the killer whale sighting or the leopard seal but also see we saw elephant seals which oh. was really cool oh yeah it, people ask me the question all the time, and I keep rotating my answer between those three animals. Okay. Because uh, apparently, I mean, there's places where you can see elephant seals, and there's like all of them on the beach, like you see mm-hmm. fighting in the in the documentaries. But I think they said that they spend like 85% of their time at sea, oh. and they don't usually spend a lot of time like on land resting. Okay. So. The fact that we saw two of them and both of them were just one of them was resting on the land. There goes my cat. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't live with a horse. It's just my very light footed cat that likes to run laps around my house. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, um, yeah, the first leopard seal that we, or elephant seal that we saw, um, he, I don't know how it was, one, it was actually one of the guests that spotted him like on the shore because they look just like a giant rock on the beach. Like yeah. they look like any other rock. <laughs> and it's weird that you only saw like one. I would imagine the giant colonies that you see in like National Geographic. Yeah. No, it was just one. And I think the first one that we saw was a younger male, okay. maybe, mm-hmm. or a bigger female. It was kind of hard to tell. Um. But the second one we saw was sitting on right out on the beach and they actually let us basically walk down onto the beach with it. And again, we're within 10 feet of it. So I got some really close up pictures of it, of just like its face. (laughs) Wow. Did, did you get a selfie like an elephant? I did not. I'm not much of a selfie person. I'm, I feel like I'm too much of an old soul to be good at taking selfies. (laughs) (laughs) So for you to be like, I'm good. But I mean, my one friend, the one friend that we went with, he's usually our selfie taker because he's 
like yeah. six feet tall and has super long arms. So oh, he's yeah. just designated as the selfie taker. Yep. But if it's just me, then I, I don't usually. Yeah, that's that is so awesome. If there's one thing that you could tell someone wanting to book a trip to Antarctica, what would you tell them? Do it for sure. But <laughs> um, I would say definitely look into what kind of trip you want to have. Okay. Um, the smaller trips, like what I did, they're definitely usually the more pricier ones. I mean, there's ones that are upwards of like sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars. So uh-huh. those are those are the ones I think where you're going way into the polar circle and you're doing all these like super remote, super like extreme adventure things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say look at the time of year that you're going to go, or at least the time of the season. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to see more, I guess like smaller penguin chicks, or feeding behaviors that's i think more earlier in the season okay um but now like when we went in about february march most of the penguin chicks are fledging so they're a little bit bigger they're a little more awkward looking because they're molting and there's just like feathers everywhere um and like the whales aren't feeding as often so we did see some feeding behaviors but i think most of the time for us, we were seeing them either like tra- uh, traveling or just kind of, like I said, just hanging out at the surface. Mm-hmm. So look at what you want to see and definitely plan for what time of the season that you want to go. That's awesome. That's great. And will yeah. you, um, can you give us your Instagram handle if you post photos that people might want to see of Antarctica? Sure. Uh, my Instagram handle is Sam. I am 91 with period in between each word. Perfect. And I will Sam dot I dot am dot 91. Perfect. And I will put the links in the show notes and audience. If actually I should ask you for Sam, do you want to join me for the after show? Sure. Woohoo. Audience, <laughs> if you want to listen to the after show, all you have to do is head on over to patreon.com slash animals to the max. I'm going to ask Sam some more questions about Antarctica. With that said, let's go to the after show. Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.